Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. Yeah, so as I as I prepare, I am I am predominantly hopeful, but scared out of my mind, quite frankly. Yeah, so what doubts or reservations do you have? I think well, so the way that I have have processed things, I actually started a blog to kind of talk about the emotional roller coaster that I've been on. Um, one, you know, a lot of people use Caring Bridge, but I have a big extended family all over the country and friends all over the world. And I wanted, I didn't want to have to text every single person an update. So, sure. but then I also said, you know, other people going through this, I'd like, I'd like to be a resource if it can help someone else who comes across this. So I started writing and I, I have, I I'm riding the waves, so to speak of, of just elation and how fast things have moved and how grateful I am for all the people behind the scenes making it happen. Right. All the, you know, my insurance company initially denied it and then they went back for an appeal and it got accepted. And I have a transplant nurse. I have a social worker. I have a nutritionist. Um, I have, I asked to speak to the bone marrow transplant therapist at the cancer center. There's, there's a wealth of people who are on my team who are working to help me. And that's really amazing. But at the end of the day, even with an army behind me, it's my decision. I'm, I also have been told, you know, you can die. They have to say that. Um, And then I remember that I jumped out of a plane and went skydiving once and I've been bungee jumping and I've done death defying hikes in Zion national park. So there were many times I was, (laughs) putting myself at risk that didn't have the hope of, of not curing, but easing or, you know, halting, limiting, helping my multiple sclerosis. So, but it's, it's a, it's a burden and, and I'm sure other people feel like it's a group decision or a family decision, but I feel the weight of this. And as I've prepared, you know, doing very adult things, I, I wrote out my will. Um, all adult things that people should have anyway, but until they're forced to do it. Um, so you can't, uh, you can't write out your will and then, and then be like, okay, ready to watch Shit's Creek. I, I, like, right. There, there's emotion tied to it. And, and frankly, probably the thing that scares me the most is getting the trivalve catheter mm. in my chest, <laughs> Which sounds kind of silly, but that's where my brain has gone. Like, there's going to be a hole in my chest. They and... they placed mine in my like my tricep, mine oh, in my arm. Uh, did you have a pick line yeah, there? Yeah, a triple lumen pick line. So I will have a pick line when I'm in the hospital, but for the harvest portion, I oh, will get yeah, the, the catheter, the, the jugular the catheter. catheter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is very. Um... <laughs> If you're lucky like me, they will introduce the person 
who will be leading the procedure as the new student on the team. <laughs> that was a little terrifying, but I just had to have faith, right? That this right. is good practice for him. I'm sure <laughs> he'll do great. Yeah, I well, my my I kept saying big gaping hole in my chest, and my therapist was like, "Words have power. Should Indeed. we maybe should we be maybe name it?" Or think of like a different way. So after troubleshooting the name, I I ended with Inspector Gadget because as a child of the 80s, like yes. very familiar with go, the Go Go, go Gadget, gadget arms. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, okay, that that's that's a super cool science, you know, abnormal visual that I can hold on to. So I'm excited to get started and also feel a little bit in this holding pattern. So I'm just trying to ride the waves, but some days are just really hard. And and that's why, you know, I've mentioned therapy several times, but I have to talk to people. Mm. I, I have to, I have to get it out and be messy in order to then be functioning the next day. You know, I'm working full time and, and I mean, I'm working where I'm getting care. So if that's not confusing, I don't know what is, but <laughs> it's, um, it's it's a hugely supportive environment, so I I feel in good hands and I'm and I'm ready to go. But there's there is fear, there is trepidation. So I'm just trying to write it out day by day. Well, and continue to talk through it. I think that's so important because it helps you find clarity. You know, I think also that the fact that MS does not manifest itself in one particular way is so annoying when you're diagnosed because you want the prescription of what to look out for what will happen. But given the uncertainty or differences, it's actually proving very helpful to me in HSCT because I'm not going in thinking one thing will happen. I'm going in thinking everything is a possibility. Yeah, and it is. And, you know, there's there's tremendous resources. And this is where I I really did. I asked 10,000 questions when I met with my transplant nurse, but at Cleveland Clinic on the floor, they have a kitchen, they have a, an exercise room, they have a family viewing area. And, and so, you know, I said, okay, well, how do you have physical therapists who specialize with the bone marrow transplant team? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm used to working with my MS physical therapist. And I said, can my MS physical therapist come to the floor? And, you know, they were like, well, they don't usually do that. And I was like, well, can he talk to the bone marrow transplant physical therapist? Because the one thing that I think these institutions have to work on is that we're not cancer patients, we're mm -hmm. MS patients. Right. So all, all centers need to work on that. Right. Right. And, and that if the, if the specialized care and treatment exists, how do we get that? Um, the, the phrase we use a lot, multidisciplinary care. How do we get everybody talking to each other and, and helping each other out? Because so, so I'm, I feel a little bit like I'm connecting pieces and I hope throughout this process, as I, as I keep saying to my lovely neurologist, um, you're getting real time unsolicited feedback. Mm. And I'm telling him like, why don't we have an appointment where I see you and my oncologist at the same time? Why am I toggling between everybody? Yeah. They're sharing their expertise with you, but not with each other. Well, I, and, or they're sharing it with each other without me present. So I, I felt at times like a volleyball. 
um, or like a football, right. Being tossed from one section to the other. Mm. And so I was like, can we all just hold the ball? Can, and, and they're, they're working towards that. And I, you know, when they initially announced this, they said, you know, we've done it a handful of times. And I was like, I didn't totally know what that meant. Um, and then I talked to the first person at Cleveland clinic and I talked to the first employee at Cleveland clinic who had had it done. And it's, it's interesting to see the leaps and bounds that they've made as, as we build something that isn't, isn't standard clinical practice, right? It's not standard of care yet, but as we move towards it, hopefully becoming that one day, how can we, as everyone going through HSCT now, improve it and provide feedback for those in the future? And improve who will that, get it. Yeah, improve that experience and process. Thank you for doing that along the way. That's amazing to advocate not only for yourself, but for others as well. I think my access bears with it a certain amount of responsibility to do just that. But I, I also really am chatty and like providing feedback. <laughs> well, but it's so important, I think, to share that with people. And I think what, when you're getting brave enough to go through something as serious as HSCT, right, it just, it definitely serves your best interests to communicate all that you can. And so certainly leaning on your, your profession and your expertise is going to help you along the way. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I will bring my rollator with me. I have comfy clothes, but probably the most important thing. And I, I am not an ambassador or, or any, I have no financial affiliation with this, but I have a, I have a Labrador. I have a, a dog who, who I love, there is a company that makes exact stuffed animal replicas of your pet. Awesome. So I just got in the mail my cuddle clone of my my black lab that will be coming to the hospital with me. And That's he looks so cool. Identical. And have you shown your dog? I I did because I even went to Amazon and got the cuddle clone. My dog's name is Oyster, but I got him a matching collar. And I, so I put, I put little oyster next to big oyster, um, which real oyster was very confused and promptly started <laughs> to try to eat the face. But, <laughs> um, it's, it's, I'm bringing that with me to every step of the way since I cannot have my actual dog for about a month, Yeah, which will break my heart. But can we find a picture of oyster on your blog? You'll have to sh share that address with me so that I can incorporate it oh, in our show notes. Yeah. So my blog is mychroniclibrary.com. Uh, I am, I've always been an avid reader, but certainly in the pandemic and as my mobility decreased, I think my reading went up exponentially. So I, and also I used to be a literary publicist and I, I love books. So I, I wanted to incorporate um, what I'm reading and and books that really touch me in different parts of my life, uh, as well as my chronic illness journey in any way that I can help. But I will, I, you know, I, I will email you a picture of big and little oyster next to each other. Oh, so. Awesome to see. <laughs> Just so when are you scheduled to start HSCT? So I start the harvest portion May 9th. And I go into hospital to begin the inpatient portion June 15th. Oh, wow. That's yeah. quite a distance apart. It's nice that you live there and work there. 
Yes. So it's um, that, you know, well, May 9th being the start of everything, like I get my tricatheter and then the the apheresis portion doesn't even happen until I think it's May 23rd. Um, But then it's two or three. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so fascinating. So maybe, maybe share more about what to expect in Cleveland because we did a, a round of chemo and then like nine days of Neupogen shots. And then we had the jugular catheter placed and did like same day that we then went to the apheresis machine and, and harvested stem cells. And then I had it taken out that day. So I didn't have to sleep with it. I didn't have to lug it around. I didn't have to live wow. my life with it. Yeah. It was in and out same day. Yeah. I can't. So, so my understanding, my limited understanding, I get the, um, you know, trivalve catheter in, then the next day I go back for an appointment to learn how to take care of it. Cause I have to flush it with saline and, and change the, the, the dressing if it gets wet. So my husband and I get to schlep back there to, to learn that. Then day three, I will have, um, all day chemotherapy. And then day four, I begin the Neupogen shots. And that's, I believe, 10 days of Neupogen shots. Then um, I'm scheduled for apheresis for the harvest from Monday to Friday, but they fully expect with MS patients that they harvest in one day. It's not, it's not unheard of if you needed to go to another day, but um, I will go in Monday uh, and have it. And the minute that the stem cell numbers are confirmed, then I get the tricatheter out. Removed, yeah. Okay. Uh, so they place it very early and then after and harvest, take it out. Yes. And I I believe it's, so it's, it, I think it's all to save your veins for all, because I go in daily or every other day. Um, this is obviously all outpatient, but I, I go to the cancer cancer center daily or every other day to check my blood levels. And I'm booked daily if I need plasma or a blood transfusion or fluids, magnesium, potassium, all of that is checked in the morning. And I I have a slot ready to go if I'm needed between chemotherapy and harvest. And so the entire procedure is actually outpatient. All of that, all of harvest is outpatient. Okay, um, so I have doing your Neupogen uh, shot somewhere like at a hotel or nearby. Um, at my house, I get I get sent home and I give them to myself. Nice. So you live close enough that I do. I do. I'm very like okay. yes. I'm very lucky. I'm about about 15 minutes from main campus. That's awesome. So, and then it's I, I believe they said based on scheduling. Um, a minimum of 30 days from that first chemo with a maximum of 60 days for hospital admission. Wow. So, so I'm somewhere in the, like, I think it ends up being 40 days between my first chemo and then being admitted to the hospital. And when is your birthday? (laughs) June 18th. Okay. And so day day three, (laughs) day plus three or minus three day minus three. Okay. So you'll still be feeling okay. Yeah. And Oh, and the other one, the other thing I was told to expect, um, for all of the females out there, I will get a shot to stop my menstrual periods for three months. Really? Um, they, the, and I wish I, no, I don't remember the drug started with an L, 
but um, I will get that before the first dose of chemotherapy, because as your blood levels are fluctuating, they were like, we don't need you to lose more blood or go through this. So they are halting my period and understanding obviously that most people know the whole process could cause early onset menopause, but in the process and all the drugs, they, they didn't want me to also be dealing with a period. And I say hooray to that. For sure. It, that's amazing. My last period was actually in the hospital in Chicago while I was going through transplant. And it was just gross because I couldn't shower. Oh, yeah. Like I couldn't shower right until they, um, I guess it was until after I got my stem cells back because I had a catheter just so I didn't have to be up and going to the bathroom all the time because of my mobility issues and because they pump you full of fluids all day long. Right. Um, I'll be interested to see if that is something that emerges because of my mobility issues or not. But so far, it hasn't even been brought up in terms of catheterization or anything in hospital. So I'll get a pick line when I'm in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for but I was I was fully prepared because I, I'm an avid lover of thinks the period underwear. Yes. I was like that. I was like, OK, I guess I should get more of those and be prepared in the hospital. And then, you know, who's going to do my laundry? Like, it, like right. I was just all those all the minutiae of life in a hospital for a month um so i was delighted to say okay take take it away i don't need yeah, it that's amazing months. and i'm sure that that's because of the myeloablative protocol because of all the blood you lose because i was like holy cow you guys are taking so much of my immune system away and i'm losing i'm shedding all of this blood <laughs> how am i even functioning yeah yeah, but it, it's ama- it's been amazing to not have one since. I, you know, one of the other things I feel that might be interesting, I, I don't know how you felt about this, but what, something that everyone said to me in terms of HSCT was, you're going to lose your hair. And they said it with really intense um, weight, right? Like, this is a big deal. And on several occasions, I had to stop them and say, I've slowly been losing my ability to walk and stand. (laughs) Do you think I care about my hair? And I could, I, you know, I'm not there yet. Right. Like I could, it could be devastating and I don't, and I'm sure it's devastating to some, but in talking to people who are, are used to treating patients with cancer, I said, a lot of times when people lose their hair, it's the first out outward example of illness to the world, to society. Right. Yes. I've spent years adjusting to having outward signs of disability. Right. And it's so, totally different. Totally. So this is, this is completely different. And I, I just, all I could think was hair grows back. It sure does. I, I mean, I, wouldn't it be great if my ability to walk grew back? Right. So I, I know it's an oversimplification, but it, it's again, one of those distinct differences between a, pa- a, a patient with cancer and a patient with multiple sclerosis. Huge difference. And so I, I they, every time they say it, I'm like, okay, I'll get a scarf. Right. I'll put a hat on. If I'm I, cold. Right. Yeah. It just, that hasn't that hasn't registered to me. And if, if my hair never grew back and I gained mobility or, or less fatigue or, or any of those things, that's, that's a price I'm willing to pay Mm -hmm. unequivocally. 
Yeah, I'd trade my hair for mobility any day. Any day. And, you know, mobility is a privilege. And I, I need to remind myself that on the days that I feel bad, that I feel like it's too hard to do things. And I'm going to try and stick with that on the really bad days during HSCT. And I've already requested physical therapy consults before the the protocols start so that they know how they, they can get acquainted with my gait issues, my weak hip flexors, my foot drop, the things that the MS community now, you know, just rolls off the tongue. We, We, most of us are aware. Indeed. So that as I'm going through what they know to be the cancer treatments, that we're working together towards a common goal of keeping mobility, keeping flexibility. Um, so I'm, you know, you better believe I'm, I'm demanding every single consult from every single person. I'm like, oh, do you have a therapist? Oh, do you have a physical therapist? Oh, do you have a nutritionist? I want to meet with them. I want to do this beforehand because I feel better with armed with the knowledge in advance. All of it should be integrated into the entire HSET experience, period. And I think it is, I just think it's what, at what point does it happen? So in, in my MS journey along the way, I didn't, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a physical therapist specific to MS until someone, I don't know, two or three years into my diagnosis went, have you ever considered physical therapy with an MS specialist? And I was like, why would I know that? Why would I consider that? No one talks about it and they're not very easy to come by. And you know, then I, not, not to be an ad campaign for Cleveland Clinic, but like we have, we have a virtual reality suite where you get hooked into a harness on a treadmill and you get to do video game playing where it measures your gait, stability and stamina. And you're totally safe. You can't fall down because you're in a harness. That's so cool. It is so cool. And so how would I know? Like it's behind this like closed door in the Mellon Center. You would never know it was there. And when my physical therapist was like, let's go to the Karen system. I was like, what is that? And in, in the, the PT community in Mellon, now people are like, oh my gosh, look at, you know, we have an exoskeleton, the whole, the, the thing that helps you walk a, a full robot. Uh, we have all of this stuff. And how would someone know to try that, to get access to that through physical therapy? And unfortunately, I think, I think the onus falls on the doctor. And it's one more thing that they have to bring up. So if if there are patients listening, you know, find out if your location has that or if you can have a consult or or, or what toys they have to help. I mean, it's really amazing. But I certainly didn't know it until it was presented to me. Right. And if we don't know what questions to ask, we don't even know to ask the question. And... I mean, I think that's a broader statement about our medical community, right? We don't, we as the patient don't know what we don't know. No. So help us, help us, help us learn what questions even to ask. And, you know, I, even with doctors, if you have a doctor that isn't giving you the resources, the time, if they don't make you feel loved, if they don't make you feel appreciated, find a different one. I, you know, I, I say without shame, I've been through four doctors at Mellon at Cleveland Clinic and none of the ones that I saw were bad people or bad doctors. They just weren't a good fit for me. Right. And 
I'm, I'm incredibly blessed and privileged to have excellent insurance. I know, unfortunately, that is not everyone's scenario, but learn what your, learn what your insurance does cover. Is it a, a $25 copay to see a specialist? Are you allowed to see as many specialists as you want once you have the diagnosis? Like those are key questions to ask. And once you know that and you know what your financial ability is, find a doctor you like. Um, I've, I've connected with several people on Instagram. I did a takeover of um, uh, an MS community site and someone said, would you be comfortable sharing who your doctor is? And it was, you know, a one-on-one scenario. And I, I said, I can recommend five different doctors at Cleveland Clinic for different reasons. What are you looking for? Like, I'll play matchmaker. I'll help. And I just, I, I hope people don't feel if they are unhappy or um, unsatisfied with their medical team that they can't look somewhere else. And with the advancements of virtual visits, that's easier now more than ever. Indeed. It's something I would love to see us do with HSCT warriors is just start consulting about the patient experience dealing with That's autoimmune. A great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Not, and like knocking on the doors of these clinics, especially that offer HSCT for autoimmune disease. I mean, like Duke university, it's a standard of care right now for scleroderma. They're like the go-to for scleroderma patients, which is awesome. Awesome. And now HSCT is a standard of care in Italy, which is amazing for MS. And so like we're on the precipice of this, right? And and eventually there's going to be more centers offering HSCT in this country, which is brilliant and necessary, especially if we can get there sooner than later in our diagnosis. But I would love to really form that like movement. It's like patient advocacy from the organizational process level of here are all the things that should be in place for patients to really streamline care and comfort and ease of stress. Because again, the more stress you walk into these huge medical procedures with, the riskier things could be, right? Totally. And, you know, I I have to give a shout out to my transplant nurse because she reached out to me one day and I was like, okay, are you, are you like my person And I didn't have a more articulate way to say that. And she goes, I am your person start to finish. You have a question, you have anything. And, you know, I have her email, I have her cell phone, I have her phone number and it, Hey, any appointment scheduling, she keeps me up to date. She tells me when to expect things. And, you know, I had, I had something that was billed wrong. So I had a ridiculous bill come through and I was like, who do I even go to this? She's like, well, we have a financial advisor for that just within the bone marrow transplant team. So this person is dealing with this whole process with insurers day in and day out. And having having a captain, having someone by your side, mm. and you know, I even say like, I'm sorry, these are my weekly questions. And she's like, you don't need to apologize. It's my job. It's what I'm here for. And it's and, a well-oiled machine because they've been doing it for cancer for so long. Totally. But just having having a contact within the medical community with where you are getting treatment, having that point of contact is so valuable. It's huge. And made me feel less, like it made me feel less crazy, quite frankly. Oh, sure. Because they can validate you're not alone. And, you know, traffic direct. Sometimes you just need to know where to go or who to ask. And, you know, my two, I had two full days of testing 
everything from, you know, EKGs to the the lung and breathing tests and I had 19 blood vials drawn. And it was two really, really long days, but it was bookended with a two hour appointment with my transplant nurse and an hour and a half appointment with my social worker. That's phenomenal. And, you know, it was everything from what is my, you know, religious affiliation I had members of my my carers, the people who are going to be with me, had to sign a pledge that they were committed to being with me and helping me through this. And you know, we went we went over everything. And I got I got some weird parting gifts. They gave me a thermometer and um, a, a, a binder. Did you get a thermometer <laughs> yet, or that's probably in the hospital? That's probably in the hospital. I just I just got the thermometer, but I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because when you're doing your Nupigen shots, they want you to take your temperature regularly. Make sure you don't spike a fever. Yeah. So, I, I mean, again, just like thinking proactively of things. And and the, for me, the more planning done in advance, uh, the better. And I feel a little bit more in control. And on the days that I don't, I just um, cry and I write and I book another therapy appointment or I talk to another HSCT warrior because the whole community has been so welcoming. And, you know, moving forward, that's what I want to do. I, I've said it already to every doctor at Cleveland Clinic. I said, if you have any patient considering this, advocating for it, wanting to go, give them my name. Like you, I'm, I'm giving you like a blatant HIPAA release form <laughs> to share my contact information because nobody should go through this alone. Right, right. Which is what you're doing and which is why I'm so grateful that I found you. And uh, I, I think you're really providing a tremendous service. Thank you. And as are you just in sharing your story. So thank you for being here. Is there a uh, superpower maybe that you've gained in your experience pursuing HSCT so far? Blatant honesty. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, th I think I already had that, but um I, I think in pursuing HSCT, I am getting more comfortable with the dark times and the scary times in order to better appreciate the light. Um, I, I, I've spent a long time living in, in dark areas and being sad and despondent and letting my disease define me. And if this process has given me anything, it's that MS is an aspect of me. It is not all of me, but I'm going to focus, you know, the next year plus of my life in, um, in getting better and in going through this, but, but really appreciating the, the good times and accepting of the dark times. That's beautiful. Truly. Thank you. Okay. And if anyone hasn't read, I told you I'm a book lover. If you haven't read Matt Haig, he, uh, he writes so, so beautifully about anxiety, depression, um, happiness, uh, being lost in your head. And uh, I, I recommend his books all the time, but he, his work has really helped me try and navigate how complex chronic illness is. But I, I hope I hope at some point, several months from now to tell you that everything went great. Um, and I just. I'm excited for the opportunity to have talked to you. Mm, I'm hoping the same. Everything is uh, as as smooth and as an experience as so far, right? That you've enjoyed. I mean, I know you've had some hiccups and 
unexpected detours, especially with insurance, but it's great they came around. It's great that you have so many supports at Cleveland Clinic and even within your family and the HSCT Warrior community. It's holding on to that mindset of hope and understanding that you're in good hands hopefully will help your experience through HSCT be phenomenally successful. Fingers, legs, toes, everything crossed. (laughs) And of course, we want to hear how everything goes. So if we aren't following your blog, we'll certainly be following up in a few months to check in, see how things are going, and hopefully have you back on the podcast to share your story. That would be wonderful. Then I can tell you all the things that I said wrong in this one and that I wish I knew in advance for others. (laughs) Isn't hindsight just amazing? It really is. It really is. Um, Even more so just the reflective capacity that we have, right? And, And not everyone is even capable of looking back and critically thinking about, was that the thing to say or not? And so kudos to you for having that reflective capacity and, and even being humble enough to recognize when things could be better, maybe next time. That's, that's the whole point of sharing stories. Let's just make it easy for the people who come after us. And that's what I want to do. So I will be, you know, health, health willing, um, health able to, I will continue to blog and to write um, as much as I can throughout the whole course. And, and that's, that's my avenue. Um, So I invite people to read and stop on by. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and the world. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate your time. And I think people are going, especially people who are considering Cleveland are really going to appreciate hearing your insider perspective of the big, like it can, I think, feel very overwhelming to people to go to this like big, scary place, right? I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure it is. I mean, coming from Chicago, you're like, eh, it's not big, right? But well, you it's different big. Like, I don't don't know. I, I do think Cleveland Clinic is intimidating. And I think it's, you know, we have three Starbucks on main campus. It's like, it's a, it's a big place. So when you, when you take away some of that uncertainty, um, or you think of people driving an hour, hour and a half or more to get care here. I felt that way every time I had an okra visit fusion, just the, it's a, it is an intimidating institution, I guess is all I'm saying. So I I hope it helps. And, you know, the team just wants to, I, I wish I could push second opinions and virtual visits and, you know, talking to Dr. Cohen of the beat MS trial, like all those are things I just wish I knew. Um, I wish I'd known it a year ago or two years ago or four years ago when I first stopped walking, like, right. Yeah. When is, when is a good time to consider this? And I don't have the answer to that, but um, I think it's as soon as the day you're diagnosed, honestly, I, and I wish more doctors would come around to just offering it as something to explore. Yeah. And Dr. Cohen is lovely. He truly, um, we did a webinar with him. I don't know if you saw it. I, I've seen some of his. I do, uh, yes, no, I did watch it. Yep. He's just. And I've never seen Dr. Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lovely man. Lovely man. Dan, my neurologist, was like, it's not my decision. It's this group. It, it was. And, and one of Dan's previous fellows actually went away and they recruited him back. And he is hands down the greatest doctor I've ever interacted with in my life. His name is Justin. Ju- I was texting with Justin. I was like, hey, do you know this? He goes, oh, I'm on that meeting. 
And then three of the previous four doctors I had were also in that meeting. Oh, wow. So there, there were like 10 top neurologists in this consortium and they talked about three cases. And I got a call from my neuro immediately following it. And two of us went forward and one did not. Fascinating. And so he made it very clear. I think you're a good candidate. I'm bringing you to this meeting, but it is not my decision. It is the group's to go to the next step. And, and I thought that was, yeah, that's a responsible way of going about it. I think. Yeah. And like Dr. Cohen is one of the people on that group there and the head of the MS center is. And I, I mean, to put, to put the decision with one person that, that bears with it, in my opinion, a lot of bias. And maybe the beat MS protocol has like consortia established at each location because there's 21 locations. Right. I would imagine that that was built into Maybe, well, maybe not. I mean, who who knows? I mean, and I'm I'm not even on the beat MS trial. You know, that's right. You're off trial. I, I'm off trial, and and so there's a handful of us, and and the other person who works at Cleveland Clinic who had it done wasn't on beat MS either. So there's now a couple of us at least. I wish I could know these numbers exactly, but well, they still have to follow that protocol to treat you. So they have to get permission from or the FDA or whoever it is, because I was treated off trial as well. So Dr. Burt had to like write a letter and justify yeah. treating me off trial. That's all, all. That's all a system. I was like, it's all such a, a game. I don't like that word, but it, there's just hoops to jump through. So many. It's crazy. And this is all for another day. I'm just so well, glad. Yeah, I was going to say for the next conversation. <laughs> but I'm so glad you're scheduled and have a path forward and are feeling good about everything ahead. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.